1: Speak to me universal law the whore's hustle and the hustler's whore. This might be the greatest song title in the history of song titles. It is The Whores Hustle and the Hustlers Whore. Ah I mean give me a better song title than that. That's poetic. It's from PJ Harvey, off her 2000 albums, Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea. It's also number 431 out of 500 on the Spotify Ridge, The 500, with Josh, Adam, me, Myers, but me, the King Cadougal. Thank you guys for joining me on the only podcast that is going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list Of the 500 greatest albums, down to one. There are times that I look over this list to see what's coming up, and I get excited because I'm like, ooh, I heard about this artist or I heard about this record, and I just feel like it's going to connect with me. And Mama, oh Mama, jamma, did this one slice up the hammer. This album was released under Island Records. It's the fifth studio album by English alternative rock artist Polly Jean Harvey, but also known as P.J. Harvey. She was born in Bridgeport, Dorset, England. That's where I grew up. That's right outside of uh, Washington, D.C., right? Right off 270? She was born there in 69, and she grew up on her family's farm. Her parents were avid music fans with an extensive record collection that helped shape Harvey's music. She also was inspired by Ian Stewart, who was a Rolling Stones keyboardist and close family friend and frequent visitor of the Harvey home. Harvey began her professional career in 88 when she joined a local band. But in 91, she left the band with two other members, drummer and backing vocalist Rob Ellis and bassist Ian Oliver. Together, The three of those people formed what is now called PJ Harvey with PJ on guitar and lead vocals. The trio recorded demos that got them signed to independent label 2Pure and within a year they were a critical success. Rolling Stone even named PJ Songwriter of the Year and Best New Female Singer. These accolades got the attention of Island Records, who signed the trio. However, friction with the other two members saw the group break up, and PJ kept the name as a solo artist. Thank God, because that would be weird if she had to change it. My new name is Kaduki Shluki. What happened to PJ? I'm, I'm now known as Kaduki Shluki her first solo album 1995's to bring you my love was wildly successful and after several more successful albums and collaborations pj decided to pursue other artistic ventures she spent some time in new york acting in the 1998 hal hartley movie the book of life where the urban environment inspired several of her future songs although she insisted that stories from the city stories from the sea this is so hard to say Stories from the city Stories This is like a vocal warm-up If you're in acting class Alright, I got a big audition Stories from the city Stories from the sea Stories from the city Stories from the sea Stories from the sea Stories from the sea I can't do it Oh my god I've just been paying All this money for acting classes What am I doing? Basically what he's trying to say is This record isn't about New York Even though everything about it Says New York The fuller, prettier And more sophisticated sound Of this record Compared to the much darker Unsettling moments Of her previous ones Was deliberate As she said, I want this album to sing and fly and be full of reverb and and lush layers of melody. I want it to be my beautiful, sumptuous, lovely piece of work, dude. I don't use sumptuous enough, but it's getting into the fucking repertoire. I'll tell you that much, playa. This is her most commercial record. This sold over a million copies. It earned her both a Grammy end of Brit Award nomination and in 2001 made her the first female solo artist to win the prestigious Mercury Music Prize, which I am obsessed with, which you'll hear us talk about later in the pod. She followed that up with four more albums, lots of collaborations and a bunch of different artistic shit. In fact, in 2001, she won the Mercury Music Prize again for her A-Studio record, Let England Shake, making her the award's most successful artist. Dude, she's beaten out like Radiohead. She's beaten out Badly Drawn Boy. She's beaten out Massive Attack. But she hasn't beaten out my guest today. And I know I say this a lot, but this is one of my favorite people in the whole entire wide world. It's Mary Lynn Reiskub. And guess what, guys? In this moment, I figured out how to say her last name. Because it's spelled like... It's, 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 it's spelled kind of kadoogly. you know what I'm saying? I love her to death. I'm teasing. I, I've known Mary Lynn for a long time. She, honest to God, is one of the funniest people, one of the sweetest people I've ever met in my life, and uh, has a gym out in, like, the valley that I worked out with her, and she kills it. High-intensity interval training. It's all her. You might know Mary Lynn as being one of the extremely funny actors on Mr. Show with Bob and David, one of my favorite shows. She was on 24, Punched on Glove, a million other things. She's got an incredible podcast called Checking In with Mary Lynn. And in later parts of this year, you can see her in the brand new movie, The Tomorrow Wars. I think she was in Night School. She's in everything. Great episode. Great guest. I'm so excited you guys get to hear this one because I had a lot of fun doing it. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the 500 and listen free on Spotify. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500 at gmail.com. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. So, homies, kadoogly spooglies, nothing left to say, but here we go. With number 431 out of 500 with Stories from the City <laughs> Stories from the Sea <laughs> By PJ Harvey This was crazy Give me the gun Maryland Redskins
0: What <laughs> <laughs> do you
1: for the first time in the history of the five hundred, not only did you join in, but you were on that energetic level. We we were in a full prism of light and hope. I, I wanted to get you on this uh for a while mm-hmm. and I showed you the list and you were like, Ooh, PJ Harvey. Why PJ Harvey? Like, what is your connection to PJ? Like, how did you get into her?
0: The thing is, there's no getting around her, the womanness. Like you can't uh, divorce that she's a singular woman. At the time, I was uh, I saw her in the '90s in Detroit at St. Andrew's Hall. And so this
1: is before you moved to, to Hollywood. Yeah. Right. Oh wow. And
0: you know, I was thinking about it in the car on the way over here. I really was still new to music. I, I was very much Like growing up in Detroit I really liked soft rock I really liked top 40
1: No Motown? A lot of Motown <laughs> I mean, That's like As you're born As you come out of the womb it's, oh. They just play It's a beautiful morning <laughs> oh. Tons of Motown But yeah. that
0: Detroit radio I had no problems I had no questions I had no No angst uh, My mom had a lot of uh, You know Bar- Barbara Streisand Barry Manilow, Neil Diamond. And in high school, I was just starting to get acclimated to like a Pink Floyd. You know, I had a friend who was into Susie Sue, Cocteau Twins. But that was like beyond me. But I was aware and I knew it was like stirring something inside of me. I had just been into David Bowie. And so and even going to clubs was a new thing. Right. I was only like 19. I think I moved to L.A. when I was like 25. But uh, yeah, I. I wasn't I wasn't even really comfortable going to the club, you know? I kind of had I, – I was not a riot girl, even though, like, by the time in the 90s, I <laughs>
1: – <laughs> Do you have a stroke? No. It's just I, I'm her, okay. I'm okay. There's, I there's definitely, like five R's in riot girl. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's how you say it. I don't, have you only seen it in print? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm saying it correctly. Thank you. So – uh, <laughs> but I definitely had the exterior that people assumed that, like, I'm cool, but I, I was not – Cool is yeah. my point in saying, giving you the ramp up to it, so I go to St Andrews invited by a friend, and I just remember seeing her on stage and just like, what like what the fuck is happening? It was so piercing and so singular and so growly, and I wish I could say that like it it did speak to me, but it also was very button pushing for me, you know there was a little bit like. What is she, what does she think she's doing you know yeah. it was a definite it would it would take me years to uncover the anger that lay dormant inside of me
1: <laughs> Thank but, you Richard Attenborough <laughs> Jesus <laughs>
0: But that was the beginning of seeing someone you know and I mentioned like the Susie Sue cuz my friend was into her like like the most punk I got was I mean I had a boyfriend who was into Sex Pistols and like uh um you too was like the the edgiest you know what i mean and so i'm seeing pj harvey going wait what is happening because it was such a yelp and such a f you and like come closer but go away and such a raw emotion but yet still remained controlled with intellect and all that translates immediately even if i couldn't articulate it and uh her music is kind of like you don't want to listen to it but you have to listen to it so it's like both things at once all the time where you're like hey can I sing along with this oh no f- fuck me okay got it no problem <laughs> but like you know it's like goes in within one phrase to I get you I'm, I'm feeling it and then like oh I'm the problem and uh wow yeah I just had never seen anything like that and it was almost
1: um too, too too, much for me. Yeah, well, I think that's... I, I think for you, it's... I mean, you're seeing her at, what, 19? Yeah. And I, I have not listened to any of her music prior to this. The only real experience I had with PJ Harvey was uh Juliet Lewis covered Hardly Wait uh, on the soundtrack to Strange Days and I oh loved it. I loved it. I just remember watching Juliet like like you know crawl around and do this sexy dancing and the song is just so powerful even though it's like three chords. And so I, I kept seeing PJ Harvey's name pop up. Uh, throughout the dives into British musicians that of my obsessions, like Radiohead and Gomez and The Verve and, and basically and all Badly Drawn Boy and and there was an award uh, that's given out in England called the Mercury Music Prize and it's everybody that's won it uh, I've like I've been obsessed with uh, Gomez has won it Badly Drawn Boy Ronnie Size um, Alt J and PJ Harvey won it twice and yeah, for this album. That we're talking about, um, which is uh, album four thirty one out of five hundred, the fifth studio album "Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea" by PJ Harvey, released on October twenty third two thousand, produced by Rob Ellis, Mick Harvey, and PJ. So, I for some reason, she just never made her way in in, into my ears. I just would see her name, I'd see her image, just much like you said. It was it looked like she was she's like this. I don't want to say oddly attractive. It's like her looks are not like, oh my God, she's gorgeous, but there's something like rubs at you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sharp. It's, it's like with the lip, the red lipstick and the very skinny heroin chic look and the style of clothing that still looks like, you know, I don't want to say. Always holding a
0: handbag. She'll hold a handbag. Is she a handbag holder? But she'll do it like in a punk rock way. Yeah, some of her videos, she's just. How is that? She's super raw and yelping, but she's got a little. (laughs) 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 They're bloody, bloody, bloody handbags.
1: But that's the thing is that I I looked at her and I was like, God, I'm like oddly attracted to this woman and I've yet to hear her music. And so when I saw this was on the list And then I saw that two of her albums are on the list I I couldn't have been more excited
0: Oh I was refreshing my memory And I put it on in the car My 11 year old son was in the car And he's very If if you play any older music He's like turn that off mom Like he can only listen to super highly produced hip hop with like ton- you're just like there's way <laughs> dream
1: it's like <longer> a <laughs> thing oh you don't my god ever he would be like so offended
0: he likes like current hip hop okay yee really oh he's yeah. a big yee fan no i don't know he that's just does. what they say <laughs> for like yes and then his friend if something's good they say bet <laughs>
1: he's oh,
0: he's like dead ass mom he, he's dead like ass. Roddy rich and the baby
1: oh my god but that's so how disconnected if I am. if he
0: can't hear any, uh, any uh, anything that he likes he's been putting on 50s music um, and so it was very jarring to have this on in the car and unconsciously he just I, you know the first song was on and he just went like uh, like I'm gonna get that off right now like he went to change it and I go I'm listening to that Yeah, and then he's like oh do we have to listen to this and then he started uh, singing along to little bits Uh Like those those phrasings and some of the yelping, like he couldn't help himself. But that's all.
1: I I think PJ Harvey is. Is a badass. Uh, I think this album is so powerful in so many ways. Whether it's the sound of her voice, the the poetic imagery, and then and then it's all all this stuff over this very simplistic music. These songs aren't complicated. My favorite song on the record is just four chords over and over, and and yet it just builds and and takes you to this place. And like it like I, tricks you with the
0: musicality of it because it yes. seems so simple, and it seems like it's like. Oh, this is grungy, or this is. Um, uh, Courtney Love just popped in my head, but and I said this earlier about her the intellect of it and the musicality of it. It's she rides this line of like, you know, I'm a whore, like I'm, I'm crazy, but she holds it tight, like. But you're not gonna tell me, and I'm gonna like school you, and I'm wiser. It's like this really weird line of like the intelligence of it, like she. It's not ever
1: it's the British it's the British it's the British she went never, to a nice she's school she's never
0: uh, like I just pictured there was one song in particular I think I have a note on it when it comes up that I pictured her like she's just comparing her to a girl at like a Daytona spring break you know like girl's gone wild and just pj harvey just being there like i'm gonna burn this whole fucking place down but she's just as sexual but she's unapologetic and she's in control of herself and she's uncompromising and she'll she'll tell you how it's going to be but that doesn't mean that she's not suffering and and vulnerable
1: yeah and this is what's funny um this, uh, I found this little news clipping saying, uh, the songs, uh, from this album are a musical departure from her previous dark material. And I'm like, <laughs> it was darker. It was darker. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. And oh, that
0: reminds me of, um, uh, this is something I, Uh, Not to name drop A movie that I did A little movie called uh, Punch Drunk Love Directed by Paul Thomas Anderson One of my
1: favorite movies By the way I think it's P.T. Anderson's Best film I I think it's one of the most Beautiful movies I've ever seen Thank you
0: I remember him saying In an interview Something about That this was his Romantic comedy And it made me PJ Harvey made me think of him saying that because some of these songs you're like, oh, this is her love song. Then it starts and you're like, oh no, like yeah. what's
1: wrong? Like, oh, I could completely like, beautiful see beautiful thing, like no, it doesn't feel beautiful, PJ. This, dude, like, it's, it's wow, what a perfect comparison because it's when Adam Sandler is holding uh, Emma, is that her, the actress's name? Yeah. When he, and he's holding her head he's like, I just want to, bash your fucking face emily he's like i want to bash your face in with a brick like this is a very
0: uncomfortable movie and he's like this is my love story a true love story wow such anxiety such like
1: god that uh, this is probably the greatest statement that's been said on the 500 (laughs) podcast all the can spoogly's out there you heard it here first pt anderson definitely listens to pj harvey A million person a hundred he probably dated her. Who knows? If he dated Fiona. And she's very dark and very Mm. melodic and her love songs are fucking they're scary. He There's, got lucky
0: with Maya Rudolph being the mom of you.: yeah, what, what if he was like made a baby with PJ Harvey? Be like, Uh-oh, oh, my god they burned down the neighborhood
1: again. <laughs> um, some things about this record before we dive into the songs. Um, the Harvey
0: Anderson's just held the up the Harvey liquor store. The Harvey
1: Anderson's are having another seance. We're going over there and then we're going to play Cards Against Humanity. It's going to be fun. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. So uh, PJ said that she wanted this to be a departure. She said, this album, I wanted it to be absolute beauty. And this was her attempt at making a pop album as unpop as she could possibly do it. Now, when we went through... Uh, the to try to find the research on this record Uh, PJ said this statement as well Uh, she does not tell you the uh, actual meanings of the songs she doesn't explain her lyrics she chooses not to she She feels
0: they speak for themselves
1: exactly that's what literally that's what it says she says the beauty of it for me is that everyone can interpret it in their own way so all of these are me and Morty trying to figure out uh, what these songs mean and some
0: old school movie star mystery you know she's like I'm the artist I do my thing and then I want to do something different. I don't want to talk to the fans. She's also
1: saying this is her, like everybody's like, oh, well this is your New York record. And she's like, yeah, this has nothing to do with New York. And you're like, uh, you just shouted out nine streets in one song. (laughs) On a
0: rooftop in Manhattan. Yeah, exactly. Okay, PJ.
1: Okay, Paige. (laughs) Chill out, Paige. All right. So the album opens, uh, with big exit, uh, great opener i love everything about this song uh because this was my first real introduction into pj harvey and it did not disappoint i love the pounding guitar the drums and lyrically it's got this very bonnie and clyde uh feeling to the song um so sample lyrics that i pulled out you know baby baby ain't it true i'm immortal when i'm with you but I want a pistol in my hand and I want to go to a different land. It's like, yeah. let's be lovers, but let's wreck some shit yeah. while we do this.
0: But then she also dips into, in the lyrics, um, like a larger, and she does this a lot, a larger um, commentary on society.
1: Like in there, it's like, hey, guns are bad, guys. Uh, I thought this was a, a perfect way to open it because maybe it's Bonnie Clyde, maybe it's an obsession uh, of America and their guns, but the key moment of this song is at the bridge, because to me, it sounds like this Travis uh, Bickle from Taxi Driver, like inner soliloquy narration. Uh, Peter, uh, play the bridge for me. You, Sometimes it so hard.
0: Yeah, that's, it's a um, poetic journal entry of uh, self Destruction and self loathing and and being scared and being hurt. Yeah, who doesn't? Who doesn't have that on a daily basis? Oh, Am I mean, right? this is
1: this is. uh I mean, this is everybody that lives in Los Angeles. You know, for the most part, it's like that's me. at My like, pilot audition yeah. <laughs> yesterday. Am I right, guys? Are you going? Are you going in for for more comedy or more dramas?
0: Um, i the the one I'm talking about in particular is a comedy, and it's. I hate all auditions. I think that it's really tricky because I've worked so long and so much that it's like
1: you get to a point where you're like, oh, it just doesn't matter. Just go read and put me on tape. For me, it's like I I, I, I am a comic. I love doing the heavy material. I love when the scene is like is I really have to brings up emotion. I have to really dig in there. And, and something like this um, it is incredible to to be able to like to to see pj really just bearing it it's like i've experienced so much of this so yeah i wonder
0: so- if uh, hearing you talk about uh, connecting that to her and like acting in a scene she's got to feel like she's when she does this performance you know because you see her talk and she is so self-effacing and and measured um that she goes into this right she's got to dig into it like you would As an actor. Oh, for
1: sure. For sure. I I was watching some of her live performances and uh, it's she's so subdued and every movement that she gave was was so it it was it it was it was almost like, you know, not to say she thought it out, but Mm. it's just she was she was the stillness made the song that much more powerful. So the inner turmoil of these lyrics is that she's just. Using that and just every every motion that she did just felt like it was it was even more powerful than and if she's like you you'd think and she's like Patty Smith like going right. all, going off no, squiggly diggly it's ve-
0: that's what's so crazy about her music it's very deliberate and yes, controlled that's a word but I couldn't then think of. goes off yeah. where you are like should I be worried about her should yeah. we, should we call somebody <laughs> but she knows exactly what she's doing and she can harness that
1: yeah. All right, well, the second song is kind of a follow-up to this one. It's Good Fortune. Uh, this was the first single off the record, and we just mentioned uh, Patti Smith and Chrissy Hind. This song really sounds like that. Uh, play the first verse. Through my bad fortune, off the top of a tall building, I'd rather done it with you. This is the song where I realized how much I loved P.J. Harvey. This was the one. The first one, I'm like, all right, this is a good introduction. It's powerful. But this is where like, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I am hooked on this song. I'm hooked on this artist. Uh, This is just a love affair uh, that sprawls all over New York City. And I think this is, like I said a second ago, this is a continuation of the first song because there's the Bonnie and Clyde reference. Mm -hmm. And then she's the ending lyrics, she just keeps on repeat. She keeps saying, on the run again, on the run again. Um, Thoughts?
0: um, that beginning so jaunty, and you know what we were talking about right? earlier. Yeah. Like that's do 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 You're like I'm there. I'm in the love affair, <laughs> and then why on the run again? Like what happened? <laughs> There's always like this undertone of like oh, like the bottom just fell out, or the Bonnie and Clyde, the the danger to it. A. Not more so in other songs that are coming up, but like a druggy feel, like an uh, like the that the love is an addiction. So that's she's also playing that line between feeling safe and then like on the run. Like what happened? Why can't you guys just like go home and watch TV? Like no,
1: (laughs) but I I, because I one I know that this album coincides with a relationship uh, with Nick Cave, and it was a very tumultuous relationship. So I think... You were leading like, me to see if I knew that and I didn't know that. No, no, I, I, I this is all research that I had to find. And I mean, I have more details about it later. But from what I know, it's like you're you're dealing with an artist, you probably're you're probably arguing because you both want so much, and then and then, you know, but you want this perfect love affair. I feel like these are dreams to her mm-hmm. of what she wanted and expected out of him. And so she just kind of drew this whole story up about this no, this is this is how it should be. And it's just it's just the reaction to what it actually is.
0: I love that because you can picture her standing there with him, with somebody and having all those feelings that we've all had, like in a new yeah love.
1: And but then also you can see it falling apart and and not, you know, maybe this is the beginning of the relationship. Maybe this is the the good fortune that you, when you find somebody like that. And and you you're get, trying to
0: be present and you're so in love that you can't help but, you know, want it to last forever and be a dream.
1: I remember, I, well, I always say that the best part, uh, like there's, like there's one of the best feelings in the world is when you have a crush on somebody and they have a crush on you back. And it's just this innocence. Before you have sex.
0: Got you, it, Josh. <laughs> then, then once you, then once you boner, it's like, uh, <laughs> next, so this was their first date this
1: could be i mean this could be like this having those those hopes and you're just like oh man it's just like how lucky just am to be I? clear before yeah. he put
0: her his before his, nick he, cave put his put penis in pj harvey yeah was that before or after her relationship with paul thomas anderson <laughs>
1: Before, after. <laughs> when is good fortune smiled upon you Oh,
0: thanks for asking. Jeez. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just getting images of all the times that I've felt that way, and it's been syrupy, sweet, and then blown up in my face. That's such a, a broad question, Do you have though. one in particular? Um, I'm thinking of this guy when I was in Detroit who... It's funny looking back on it because at the time I didn't realize how drawn to comedy I was because I was very interior and very socially awkward, and there was this guy... Hey, <laughs> l- like PJ Harvey, this is me at my most melodic <laughs> and sensuous and and
1: layered. You're so uh, lush layered. lush you're <laughs> like a delicious, harmonies. Delicious. Uh, this is me at my cake. most outgoing you're, you're, and, you're, you're and you're understandable. You got, you got frosting in between layer after Listen, layer. I had
0: some problems, okay? Yeah. Couldn't talk to people, couldn't socialize, and I saw this guy and I was trying to get away from my parents' house. But I was also a good girl, so I didn't think I could, but I was instinctively doing it. And I followed my best friend to Ann Arbor. I was like, let me live with you for the summer. And there was a guy in a parking garage, and he had a he had a whistle around his neck and a red T-shirt tucked into some pleated pants like he was a busser at a semi-fancy restaurant. What and a weird
1: valet guy.
0: I, he was <laughs> directing traffic, but just for fun because he thought it was a funny bit. Looking back on it, he was the most obnoxious, like, simplest, just loud, like, that that wasn't a bit dude you're just being weird yeah and he would go into the donut shop and was just outgoing and being um absurd and i just idolized it i thought like this guy is the shit yeah and fell in love with him and then it was just the worst i realized that i just put him on this pedestal for no reason and he just was like petty and spiteful and childish and not very smart, but I just bought, you know, the Kool-Aid of like, you're my everything.
1: Yeah. All right. uh, Moving on uh, a place called home. This is the second single release from the record. Uh, To me, this song is sort of sad and hopeful at the same time. Uh, It's about finding something right at the wrong time and she ends the chorus with this like one day there'll be a place for us and I think uh, is not only just powerful but I think it sets up the whole song and then you have my favorite part which is this verse right here uh, Peter play it for me
0: one day there'll be a place for us I- I like how she goes so interior but then it's always uh, to different lands then it always goes like back out to all over the world yeah that stumble felt
1: all over the world do you feel like that stumble when you go back to Detroit I mean because you've been successful do people accept you like when you return back to your homeland having done what you've done Um, oh I always
0: feel terrible I think n- now probably this past five to ten years you know as you get older you start to just go who who gives a fuck but I remember going to um like a what are those things called a reunion a class reunion yeah and I have such a mixed bag of like I'm judging them I'm like oh like you're fat you're this you're that but then my role even though they were treating me like I was a big star I still felt terrible because the way they were doing it was like oh look who's on tv and I was just like Oh God! Oh,
1: wait, when was this? Was this ten year, ten twenty year, year, ten? So year. wait, so what have you done by that point? Like Mr. Show probably the
0: Veronica's Closet. Ooh, I sitcom. remember that. Was that- I mean stuff that people, you know, like sitcoms that people would be like, "Oh, that's a really big deal, it's like a huge deal." Mr. Show would have when you go back to high school people, they may not have known. It
1: was very, the hip people liked it. It was a but, very cool show. So not, that's I, why I think people love it so much because not everybody knows it.
0: So yeah, I had done stuff that was big and broad. Yeah, but and, a Christy and I also Christy Alley remember, show? A Christy yeah. Alley show. Um, It's Christy. Okay? okay, so, but I remember my sister and my mom were like picking out clothes for me. Like I very much played the role of like, okay, like, oh, we're gonna have fun. And I had like clothes I would never wear just because I went along with it. It's yeah. very incongruous with the person that's like, I'm on top of the world. Like, I was a walking stumble, even though it was the attention was on me. You know, I remember someone introducing me, like, and there's our star. And I was just like, oh like, you're gross and I'm grosser <laughs> because you're referring to me. Yeah. And this, there's nothing fun. If anything, it's more of a disconnect.
1: Yeah. Is that why you think you connect with this song?
0: Uh, that's why I connect, yes We'll put it with this song in particular okay. But like all of her music Just just always that push and pull with her
1: Yeah Alright, let's go on to my favorite song on the record One line uh, just, just play the opening Because I fucking love it
0: Do you remember the first kiss? Stars shooting across the sky
1: Oh my god! I just want a gypsy dance to it, just very like Stevie <laughs> Nicks. I want a flowing dress because this is four chord perfection. Oh, this is the four. This chord is world. Four, it's four chords. It never changes. Occasionally, it adds a little like, and then she's got uh, Tom York from Radiohead uh, just just ooing in the background. Yeah, dude, oh. Tom York is all over this record, oh. dude. So I got, maybe I was hooked by the second song. This is the one that I was like, oh, I think PJ Harvey is one of the most brilliant artists. I know this is going to sound stupid that I have ever heard. Like mm. I just, I don't know Patti Smith. I don't know Chrissy Same. Eine, I don't
0: know Patti Smith. But, but I know she's, she is my but Patti she's Smith like
1: she's, she's my, like, I wish I could have heard her uh the in the 90s and the 2000s because this is just it's something that like the way that I connected with Fiona Apple I'm like this is just an even darker extension of yes. Fiona and I love that so to go off the title the one line concept is about that person who you will always have a connection to and with no matter how far away or how long it's been the zombies and she mentioned it
0: <laughs> can't get away from him
1: in the previous song um have you ever had that experience with that kind of concept, the one line concept that uh, she's saying? Is there a person that is your one line?
0: My mom. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. um, well. That's not what she said. I know. She uh, <laughs> took me off Facebook. She unfriended me. Um, it's a very interesting question because I feel like I'm at a time in my life where I would say no, but. If you talk to me through my 20s and 30s, every person I dated, I would be like, you're my you're
1: my line. You love hard.
0: Yeah. And I'm now finally, for as much as I can feel her lyrics and still, they, they still resonate with me. I'm also just at that point in my life where I'm like, it's me
1: alone. Bye. Do you feel like this album now resonates with you even more than it did when you first heard it?
0: Yeah, it's been really fun to rediscover it because I hadn't listened to it in quite a while. Um, For as much as some of these emotions are more with with the love affair, with the intensity, Mm -hmm. for, for some reason I it feels deeper to me now because I've had more life experience. I don't know really what I'm saying. Or well, what you've that,
1: loved, you've lost, you've loved and gained, and it's just like it's thank the roller you. coaster. That's ride. where I'm going it, with that. Yeah, it's... it's like, I, I know
0: all of this stuff. Yeah. And I can... I'm not in the middle of it, but I can visit it when I listen to this music, and yeah. I can go on this trip with her, and I can appreciate so much. It, it, more now, the songwriting and the delivery and the artistry of it in a way... That
1: I don't think I did before You guys are missing us. I wish we did a video podcast Because anytime Mary Lynn says something she Her, her arms get all squiggly And she's all like Scootily doo And a squiggly dan It's great Those are all words Like that I now guess. when
0: I listen to this song It's like I draw a line to your heart today And pray to keep us safe I'm like Hey I'm just running some errands Like <laughs> It's cool
1: man I'm okay
0: Like I'm Peach, just gonna Chill Hit the dry cleaner
1: Chill The dog's <laughs> getting get, Don't worry The dog's getting washed <laughs> Dogs get washed, okay? I know,
0: you're a little bit allergic right now. I know, I pray to keep us safe. What, what is your, Okay. What,
1: what is your one line to the supermarket? It's express, that's what I'm like saying. I,
0: you know, back then I
1: always felt this way. Yeah.
0: Like, on the reg, and now I like to visit it.
1: Yeah. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Tag team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week, so pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. This is a
0: rock and roll city
1: for sure, right? I do, like, the, wrath of the, buzzard. the rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in america profiles the wrath of the buzzard p-r-o-h files subscribe now wherever you get podcasts all right let's visit the next song uh beautiful feeling uh this is pj on vocals and guitar and tom york uh, just giving you some ooze. Uh, play the powerful chorus, brother. It's the
0: best thing.
1: It's the best thing. So, uh, this is actually <laughs> what are you laughing at?
0: Just once again, you're like, is it the best thing? Yeah, because I know. you sound like I you're know. in a hospital under a sheet. Trying to break out of like the psychiatric
1: war. Did your nana just die? Because <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Are and you
0: lying to me? But that's also her irreverence that uh, there's weird humor. Not that, but she plays
1: both sides. Your- no, completely. Uh, so this is actually a positive song yeah. about finding elusive love somewhere across the world. And she made it sound super dark. You know, she's always going through something. She's always in the thick
0: of it. And then she gives you a little release on that melodic.
1: Yeah, I I, I think that's I think that's what you were you were talking about. The the uh, dichotomy between the the sound and and the meaning it's it's she's she even when she's happy, there's a lonely sadness to it. She's like, I found (laughs) I found love. Like it's so. In the
0: bigger picture, like spiritually, she knows that everything is temporary. That's yeah. why her music is on another level. Yeah, dude. Because she's like, yeah, it's love, but what is love? I mean, every note in every song, she's asking that question. She's deeply committed to it, but she's also like, I'm not gonna just. I'm gonna give you the uh, every angle of this.
1: Yeah. Uh, the next song might be the best title, uh, I've ever heard. The whore's hustle and the hustler's whore. That's right. That sounds like something my black next door neighbor who's like 70 year old would say. He'd be like, the whore's hustle and the hustler's whore. He's
0: on the corner outside the gas station now. Just like like, word.
1: If it ain't got coleslaw on the burger, I don't want hot sauce with the fries. Because you know what I'm saying. The whore's hustle and the hustler's whore. That's right. Let me borrow five dollars. All right, so this song recalls the good old days of filthy Kapleki and gritty Kashmicki Times Square before Giuliani mm. Anuki cleaned it up and made it downtown Wang, Disney, Zuki. Play uh, 227. Speak to me of heroin and speed, of genocide and suicide, of syphilis and greed. Speak to me, the language of love. That's, that's... Painting what does that of, mean to you? I mean, it, that, that's, this, what she's saying is, you know, new, when she's in New York, this is, Giuliani cleaned that place up. It used to be taxi driver-esque. Yeah. It used to be drug dealers just out on Times Square. She got Square. in trouble
0: for saying something later about Washington, D.C. So this is a similar, she's she's very true to
1: her yeah, philosophical. And, and dude, in D.C., I used to work at the 930 Club, where I used to buy drugs is now a cupcake shop. Like, that's what I'm saying, is all these cities used to have dark I mean, just—I mean, you fucking grew up in Detroit. She got
0: criticized for her (sighs) commentary on that, but then uh, an article I read was like, "But also, why are we giving her credence?" That speaks to her power as an artist.
1: Yeah. So not only is this maybe not even about New York, when we were talking about her relationship with Nick Cave, this is rumored to be about that short, tumultuous relationship. Really? Because they were collaborating in several songs in the mid-90s, and so she's writing this as this is going down. So we mentioned uh, Nick Cave. like He had some very serious drug issues, uh, and they are all mentioned along with some lines from this song. Ooh, how spicy! Go on. I love a little song, beef, love stew, Wang Zuki Tuki. You know what I'm talking about? Sure do. Let's talk about whoring, though. Y- Let's. Okay. <laughs> have you ever taken a gig where you felt like you were selling out? Uh, no, but I have a story about almost becoming a whore. No, <laughs> hit me. Even better. I was walking.
0: It's one of my favorite stories. If you've heard the podcast before, like, no, no, I could say it. Fifty. It it will never get old. The story. I was wearing pajamas, sunglasses. Actually, this was around this time. Walking in Silver Lake, wet hair, uh, backpack. Uh, Somebody on a sidewalk was like, hey. And she was saying hi to me and made me feel like I knew her, even though I didn't. So I walked towards her. And as I was like, oh, hey, like thinking I didn't want to. Not you know recognized and then I realized As I got closer I'm like oh I don't know her And she was short shorts Translucent white skin with Bruises down there and she's like What are you up to like starts up This convo and I was like what is Like is she going to try to sell me drugs I wanted To know what was going to happen so I just kept yes Anding her I'm like I'm not Up to anything she's like you going Downtown I'm like yep She's like you looking for work I'm like yeah (laughs) Yeah I mean, I didn't say it, but I was like, "I'm well, going we'll see if my uh, sketch show, executive <laughs> produced by uh, Steve Martin, gets picked up, or if uh, Veronica's Closet's yeah. gonna ask me You're back." Like,
1: yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, me, me and Kirsty, we we haven't been talking a little well, bit. Yeah, recently, she tried to I mean, get me into
0: Scientology, <laughs> and I was like, "No," and she was like, "You're fired." And Did so, she really? No.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> that would have been some good.
1: I was like, "Fuck oh this God. horror story." Not at all. all right.
0: uh, so she, I, you know, I looked like a street urchin, and I just <laughs> wanted to see where it was going, and the drugs weren't coming out but she's like are you looking for work and i said yes and she goes follow me we were out front tangs 24-hour donuts i don't know if it's still there or not i know tangs so i, I, I walked tang's. in there it has those like what is it? it's not formica those like tables that are in the cement outside it's that like plastic yeah the molded sure that, yeah, that are just permanently in the you know little tables and uh so I walk in tanks, Donuts and every there's like whispering and people shifting around and she takes me outside and I meet my prospective pimp. She disappears and he's sitting there and he's like, my name's Kevin, but people call me Lawrence. And I was like, what <laughs> 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 A less cooler name. Uh, he was wearing like a um, black um, ski jacket, like a puffy ski jacket and gold chains. A, puffelophagus, a puffelophagus, Yeah. A uh, in uh, it's sweltering heat, and he was trying to pull like a power move on me, and because I, every time I tried to ask him something, because I was like, um, how's, you know, he's like, business has been good. I'm like, oh, okay, uh, wh- what's her name? And he's like, lift up your sunglasses, let me see your pretty face. And like, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't sit down, but I, but I also was still talking to him, because there was a part of me that like left my body and was like, what's she gonna do? Like, yeah. is she gonna go through with this? And then he's like, you have a boyfriend? Like, you can't have a boyfriend. You can't, like, live with anybody. And uh, trying to, like, get my digits. And so I just kept talking to him. And then I started picturing, like, what if I actually went to that apartment building? You know, like, what if I go through with this? Like, what would happen? And then I started, like, panicking. And I was like, okay, I better get the fuck out of (laughs) here. And he's like, give me your digits. And I go, um, you know what? I'm going to think about it. And I started backing away like you would at a cocktail party. Like, thanks, Lawrence. And he's like give me your digits and I'm like maybe later and he's like I think you have thought about it and that was his like closing statement and I was like okay bye and I just like (laughs) skipped out of there um yeah and I was scared for like the next two weeks that I would run into him again and that was it
1: that was the last time you went to Tangs (laughs) you stopped going to Tangs that's true you started going to S&K Donuts yes you know far better place um And that's so funny That the next title Of the next song Is This Mess We're In Mm -hmm. Um, What I love about this song Is that Tom York Sings the entire song
0: Listen I don't want to say This is my favorite Because I know it's hokey Because it's like Oh it's the one that Tom York sings But it's like And also her in this, you're like, oh, look who has a pretty voice. Yeah. Like, look who's singing like an angel, which makes me love her because she's like, yeah, I can do it. But why would I do it? It's less interesting. But for this song, she just comes in so smooth as silk and they're so uh, beautiful together. But, of course, always still haunting.
1: You said exactly what I was going to say about it. Um, It sounds to me like this is kind of like a firsthand account of an affair that I think took place in New York regardless if she says this isn't her New York record I mean she gives it to you and the defining moment is during the bridge where they realize they gotta stop fucking with each other mm. despite the fact that they got that good sex cam you know what I'm talking about <laughs> hit it Lawrence
0: I don't think we will we must leave now, leave now now the before the sun rises over the skyscrapers and the city landscape comes above into it's I, so beautiful. It's so. And the fact that this exists, the placement on the record where you're just like, "I'm sorry,
1: what?" Yeah, it's right in the middle of the album. It's right it's in the middle. It's, oh, it's very cathartic. I think. Yes. it's I think it's after all the darkness, you find this beautiful love. And I and I believe, because like, this is what I love, man. I love when geniuses yeah. work together. And Tom York is a genius, and I now know PJ Harvey is a genius. But uh, it, it's 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 just so great. Um. So speaking of genius. And, I, and, and this was Of course at know. the
0: end We're like We'll never meet again
1: Go on Oh no uh, So you were on One of the greatest shows In my opinion of oh, all time Oh go on uh, Veronica's Closet <laughs> 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 You were on Mr. Show And yes. I, I think you had A collection of uh, Including yourself Some of the greatest Comedic kushlukies ever
0: Jeez thanks um,
1: And honestly You are one of my Favorite people to riff with to roof not just riff but roof with roofing it up uh, because you are so fun and so easy so I, I have to ask this question what was the collaboration like on mr show
0: oh geez i mean this was a formative time of my life i was in a position i never thought i would be in i was around people it was like i had finally found my people that whole group before Mr. Show, we were doing live shows together, themed live
1: alternative comedy oh, shows.
0: and it like was like the heyday. Oh, I mean, it's, it was
1: nothing David is more. David Cross, Bob Odenkirk, nothing Patton, is more
0: alternative than uh, Bob Odenkirk off SNL, David Cross um, leaving Boston and just hating um, the, the 80s comedy scene and regular comedy. Like, they didn't want that. They wanted to do something different. And that's why I was allowed to even be in that scene because I was coming from, like, performance art. But I was very drawn. I didn't have any business necessarily. I was never drawn to stand up specifically earlier in my life because I couldn't relate to, like, I'm a guy on stage talking about what I... But my entrance into this was because it was not um, your basic broad comedy because there were all these like weird layers to it and anything goes and I met like my favorite weirdos and they I was like a mascot like I was just happy to be there like I was just had a pep in my step and was like giggling and just it was a magical time and they just
1: let me be a part of it is how it was I, I, I mean I could imagine what that did you guys know you guys were creating something special while you were doing it yeah
0: I think they did. I certainly being able to watch them develop it and then shows that we had done at just these shitty rooms because we wanted to do these shows for each other that then developed in some of those into some of those early sketches and you know before the internet, am I right? They yeah. were doing live shows and inviting these executives out to see it. I had this one bit that I. Did actually in art school in a performance art class. And that's when I realized that I was people would always laugh, but I didn't realize I was being funny. But there's a little thing I took they that they used me as an interlude in between sketches where I just came out. And I don't remember the lead into it, but I I would pull out duct tape and be like, these are not for you and tape up my (laughs) breast and my vagina. But there was a whole, you know, I don't remember what it is now, but those were the guys that were like, yeah, we're going to bring her out and she's just going to do that. In between and like that's that's where we're at yeah with this stuff that it that fits perfectly and it did and i had never imagined being like validated artistically and having that crash course and i still didn't realize really fully why it was funny i was just in earnest just doing weird shit and was accepted by them
1: yeah it was just some of the best sketch writing and for uh, for a you know an 18 year old stoner there was nothing that spoke to me more that, you know, I like to, I get off masturbating while pie's cooling. <laughs> I think that's just genius. <laughs> um, so I, I love it. And that's the fact that I'm friends with you. Just, it still trips me out because, you know, I think you're the, the funniest. So thanks. you're my PJ Harvey.
0: Jeez, you go too far. Uh, you go too far.
1: You're my PK Harvey. You're okay. my PF Okay, that's that's fine. All right. Uh, you said something. You said something? It's the next song. <laughs> uh, this is just another great chemistry song uh, about, about love but bad timing. This one doesn't give you much, uh, but you do know that you said something. Peter, play 115. How did we get here? To this point I held
0: my breath.
1: One of the happier songs on the record. Uh, yeah. uh, what I find to be funny is that she's saying this isn't about New York, but she basically describes the city perfectly. She's like,
0: I walked by the Flatiron Building. <laughs> it's not about New York. <laughs> I jumped
1: on the F train. Stop saying it's about New York, you guys. Went to Times Square. I was in Dorset. Got a shawarma rap from my muds. That's
0: about my <laughs> isolated farmhouse. <laughs> it's not about shawarma. You guys not get? <laughs> Check the line up at Caroline's. Right. No. <laughs>
1: uh, my fa- I, this
0: is like her mo- the most humorous song to me because she keeps repeating, you said something, you said something, you said something. And she's uh, like, it was really important. And then she doesn't, doesn't say it what it what, is. Doesn't say what I'm it out.
1: is. She doesn't want to tell us, but we know. That he or she said something. Yep. What did they say? Never know. No idea. You tell me. Kamikaze, the next one. This is a really bad romance song, and that's why it's called Kamikaze. Uh, She doesn't pull punches. Play Minute 7, brother.
0: Was another one that my son started inadvertently singing along to in the car. Really,
1: yeah.
0: he's got a. Sometimes I trick him Like I'll put on the Ramones And I'll be like You like it You know what I mean yeah. I'm gonna be Shoving some PJ Harvey Well here.
1: it's so I can just imagine uh, <laughs> You and your son Putting together puzzles Listening to Kamikaze You're like Have you seen that piece That was in the center Kamikaze <laughs> And you're just And a cat walks by Yeah, <laughs> And you're like hey. Burn everything down <laughs> Kill everybody All right Do um, you have any more thoughts On this one This is love. This is love. It is love. Play two seventeen. You're the only story that I never told. You're my dirty little secret wanna keep you so. You're the only story that never been told. This was the third single. Uh and you can see why, because it actually is very accessible it's just a, it's out of all the other songs which are more movements and more feelings this is a straight up just rock song verse chorus mm-hmm. verse and then the chorus is so catchy with the this is love this is love right. that i'm
0: feeling yeah this is the quintessential w- woman uh, her like the full force of her desire but she still has got some pain and oh and like i like that she doesn't make any apologies for uh, you're my dirty little secret yeah
1: and she wants to chase like, you around the table and she who? wants to touch your head, which I assume means give you a dope scalp massage with nails. Maybe w- I
0: love that she's <laughs> just like, yeah, I'm a woman. This is how I'm going to talk about it, and it's so unusual that she's like a f- the full scope of a woman. It seems crazy yeah. that women aren't really allowed to express themselves. She like can't that. say
1: she can't say I want you to go down on me. She has to say I want to touch your head, which is like. You know what I mean? That's like a she, very. This el- paved
0: the way for Cardi
1: B is what I'm saying.
0: You're not wrong.
1: <laughs> you are not wrong. Um, now, I have a quick question because you are, you're pretty open publicly about your sexuality and your bisexuality. Whoa. Did you do a deep
0: cut on this? Deep
1: cut, dude. You know, this, this was is... something
0: that came up when I was doing press for something. I feel bad because I. I, I I have thoughts about this I haven't collected them yet it has something to do with my generation it also has something to do with me not wanting any labels but then this girl called in and she's like well do you support and she clearly identified with like the label and an organization and I was like of course I do like if that's what you need to um to be safe but part of my thing is like I don't want to talk about it cuz it's not important to me but then but then the other part of it is or is it because I'm like scared to really put it out there you know what I mean cuz I'm yeah. also like I'm also really a relationship person and so I think that if you're like I'm bisexual it just like makes uh it makes it not sound what's the word I'm looking for sound like petty or like you can like you're, you're or like you're not a serious person yeah and That's still something that and this is where I think the generational thing comes in, because now I go to like, you know, young, I see uh, people just turning 20 that are like, so I'm pansexual. And, you know, when you watch porn on when you're growing up and you have like the one computer that's in your parents, like side room, I was like, oh, wow, like this is different now, because speaking of like Mr. Show and that time. Uh, that was also, you know, a lot of people were doing, it was like Margaret Cho and Kathy Griffin and all these people were doing the Uncabaret, which was this confessional style. So it, it, it still was something to have a secret and reveal. So it would be like a big deal to even talk about it. And now it's sort of as a given, which I think is yeah. fantastic. Um, but personally, I still have a lot of um, unanswered things about my own sexuality because i've never been able to really sustain a relationship with a woman because pj harvey says in her other song uh (laughs) because it's complex and and again with like time and having lived so much life and i'm just coming out of a marriage which is weird because i also feel more free to talk about it now because i was so focused on my marriage that i'm like this is a straight relationship and that and that was it so like i didn't talk about it um, but so yeah it's a re- it's a real can of worms
1: no I, I, I agree all right uh the next song is one that I actually think she should have ended the record on uh horses Ooh. in my dreams uh, uh this is this is this is how the album should have ended it should have ended after 11 tracks uh Peter play uh, play the ending for me strong statement. <laughs> That, that's that's the way you end that album. With that line, I have pulled myself clear. It's a clean way to end the album. It just and it it feels like it's it's just releasing you like like a little like you're like releasing baby Moses into the Nile and you're just like, Be free, baby Moses and he skediddles off in the waves and you yes. you're just like I like that or-
0: little guitar noodling do do, do do It reminded me ever so slightly of uh, Liz Fair.
1: See, I haven't dived into Liz Fair like that, but... uh, Ever so slightly. I'll I'll take your word for it. Okay. All right, we float, and we do. Uh, I think this is another one about Nick Cave uh, and how she felt... uh, She really loved him. She did love him, Uh, and this is some really funny stuff that we pulled up. Uh, You got to keep this in mind. I kind of mentioned it earlier, but uh, about why this relationship probably was so hard on her. Both of them are artists. Both of them are selfish. He had a lack of monogamy. He's also a drug addict. He wants to punch someone in the face. She just wants to get the SKU numbers right. Exactly. And serve people their food. And I don't know what drug he was on, but I'm guessing from his hairdo, it was heroin. Uh, he's got a heroin head. Uh, play mm-hmm. 137. For somebody who blows
0: your goddamn brains out You lift lifted as a child I had
1: a model smile
0: you're right it, this almost feels like a coda like even the tempo goes up yeah it's, it's just like it's an different epilogue. Th- it's,
1: it's di- I think it's different from the rest of the record I think if you would have ended it with horses in my dream uh, I just think it really would have I don't know it just would have been like the nice bow on such a beautiful powerful uh-huh. record this you put this one song up alright you want to do some facts and get out of here yeah alright uh Do you like facts? Do you like facts? I like facts. Here's some facts. Here's some facts. Was that almost Coldplay in there? (laughs) You were like, I like facts. I like facts. (laughs) PJ Harvey was actually first the name of the trio she was in with bassist Steve Vaughn and drummer and singer and co-producer of this album, Rob Ellis, before she went solo with the same name. At her debut gig with her trio, they cleared the room during their first song, prompting a woman to come up and yell, don't you realize nobody likes you? We'll pay you. You can stop playing. We'll still pay you. That's great. So good. What was the worst gig you ever played?
0: Oh, gosh. There's so many.
1: Hit me with the worst.
0: The worst. Um, where was I? Side Splitters Tampa could be. Uh. A large man with long hair, mustache, I want to say Samoan or Hawaiian, in the back, couldn't really see him. In the front was fans of mine. So the room was fans and then like people that were papered. Do you you know what I mean? Because I have the rare ability to have people be in the front row like... I have your sweater that you wore in 24. And then a guy like this in the back row, shut up. You're not funny. So high on drugs. So disruptive. Um, you know, that's not even my worst gig because I still handled it, but I ended up walking into the audience and talking to his friends and going, why are you guys here? Why are you letting him do this? Which is you never want to go there in a comedy show where you're just in earnest trying to talk to people um, and say, hey, what's going on? So, you know, I didn't feel like quite the entertainer that night. But I mean, like tons of just bombings and weird not knowing how I come off or people feeling bad for me. Not getting any laughs. What's the most
1: awkward acting gig you've ever book do you want to talk about that
0: i was in a pilot called shasta mcnasty which actually i remember that yeah. for some reason i remember shasta mcnasty with abusey he was in it yeah i was the original girl and the creator liked me and thought i was hilarious and they ended up i got fired from it because they replaced me with a girl in a bikini who would just walk around in her underwear
1: I think it worked out in your favor. And
0: favorite. I remember Paul Thomas Anderson, I just because we talked to him it's jogging my memory, he was like, "Oh, Shasta McNasty," like making fun of me because I think I suffer from like, oh, "I just want to work," like I'm yeah. not discerning. I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, I'll, it's I'll a, make it's, something out of a, that. It's
1: a gift to work with, yeah. like, to be able to do it. And it's like if you get an acting role, it's kind of like there's so many people that would die to have that. Yeah, like, We it, all hope to get to a place where we could be like, oh, no, I that's beneath me or yes. I'm taking a different direction. Oh, my gosh. But, where people are
0: like, oh, why did you choose to do this? It's like, why did I choose to do it? Because <laughs> I'm trying to get a job. Because
1: I want to feed myself. But like, yeah,
0: Shasta McNesky was a perfect example of, of, of the material was beneath me. But then I bond with the creator. And I just in my mind... Like, Like I make it like it's okay because I'm like, oh, he's really trying. And this is his show. And it's like roommates that are misogynistic and terrible. And one of the storylines is like they eat cereal and watch their um, another woman in her underwear through the window across the way. But just if that's not enough women in their underwear, they also live with one. So later in the show, she walks out and is like, hey, guys. (laughs) And of course, I feel like I brought like some realness and was like. Yeah, fuck, fuck you. Guys. Like I brought a real uh, levity to it. Yeah. that's not the right word. Um, Squidoodle, uh, a squadoodle to it, yeah. and then they just were like, "No, we better just have it be a hot girl <laughs> can, can with get, no with no discerning qualities."
1: Can, can you get Donna D'Arico or like one of the Baywatch bitches? And they came out, and you're like, "Okay, guys, I'll just I'll just go be in this art house movie that is considered. Uh, I think it won cons." I think it won. Can, is it cans so to, or cons? To
0: be fired from something that I never should have been in in the first place is kind of a blessing and a curse because it's like, yeah. I, I kind of am lucky that stuff sort of spits me out if it's not right for me. So yeah. I love that. But it's also like, why did I put myself through that in the first place?
1: 100%. All right. In 2001, PJ became the first female solo artist to win the prestigious Mercury Music Prize for this album. 10 years later, she became the first artist to win twice for her eighth studio record, Let England Shake, also making her the most successful artist in the awards history, which is fucking dope. Now, after being known primarily as a comedic actor in 2003, you were cast on the third season of Keith or Sutherland's action drama 2 4. That's also right. known as 24.
0: That's right.
1: Your character, Chloe O'Brien. Was such a hit with fans and critics that you stayed on for the rest of the series and became Kiefer's co-star, Hell and yeah, was brought it. back at one tenth of
0: the show. pay. Am I right? <laughs> am I wiggle my way at a guest
1: star pay. <laughs> How did that come about? And were you shocked that you broke through outside of comedy? Oh
0: my gosh, this is totally all connecting. Hit the me. the executive producer of the show had been turned on to. Punch Drunk Love. He saw me in Punch Drunk Love, and that's why he wanted me on Twenty Four. And this, by the way, is my best best case. Scenario. Any great job I've had has been the vision of one person or a team that's on the same page. Gary Shandling, Joel Sternow, Paul Thomas Anderson. They, in other words, he wanted me for the part. I'm not saying I'm not saying things should be handed to me, but it's when you're, things aren't done by committee, things aren't done by. What's your hair color? Will this be yeah. the right uh, algorithm for our show? But that it's – so he called me in because he had seen me in that, and he wanted that, like, bitchy quality that of the sisters in Punch Drunk Love. And there was no material, and it was just, like, a dream scenario. Like, I was walking down the hall, and he goes, you're great. I don't have the part written yet, but just sit down, and, like, there's nothing to this but read this. And then I got brought on for, you know – four shows and then six shows and then kind of like built it was there there.
1: was there was it hard to go from comedy to drama it was was, really weird what was the the most difficult hurdles
0: i was really scared because i didn't know if i would fit with the tone of the show and it was already at the height of popularity it was a very successful show i started in season three so i was really scared because i was like i don't know how to do drama and i i was worried about sticking out which actually i did which which gave me my lasting power but there was one point a few episodes in where I just started trying to talk like this and like, and then they noticed it in the dailies. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't, I stick out too much. He's like, yeah, but it's working. Um, but yeah, that very first day is what my scene was with Kiefer and he, he's addicted to heroin to be undercover, you know, to to like be with the crooks or whatever. And he's looking for his fix and I walk in with some like administrative thing and I'm like, "I don't like to study, and I'm a quick study, and I like read the lines, and I'm like, "I got it." Even though this is like so serious, I still can't bear to yeah. like study, so I just go in there and I know what I want to do, and I'm taking it seriously, but I just studied it quickly. And the first ticket it came out of my mouth, like I-, I don't know, it was just jargon, like I can't even recreate it now. It was like just dense stuff that a human being would never say, just informational. So I do it, then they go light for twenty minutes, and I come back and I'm like, it does not, they have left the words are gone, like yeah. completely gone. And I watched like the entire production stop for me, not remembering my lines was like the biggest crash course. And like, you better get your shit together. I had to go stand in the corner and repeat it over and over and over again. And I was like sweating. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get fired. I'm wasting so much time. My scene is with Kiefer. And then, like way after the fact, I finally like got through it. But at the end of the day, or maybe the next day, they're like, "Yeah, that happens to everybody." Like because it's
1: it's Kiefer, it's, <laughs> he, Kiefer. he's a lost boy. But I I learned one of how to lost use lost boy mind tricks on you.
0: It's, it was some vampire. <laughs> did shit. Kiefer,
1: was Kiefer's trailer uh, just a cave in Santa Clarita <laughs> where he slept upside down, hanging by his feet? <laughs> Cry, little sister, star, it's like, Kiefer, do we have to play that at the Every Rat Party?
0: <laughs> Cry to your brother. Can you wipe that blood off the other side of your mouth for the scene, please?
1: <laughs> oh, this was so much fun.
0: Thanks for having me. Oh,
1: my God. Ooh, what a fun interview. It got me in my custoodles. The one and only Mary Lynn Ricegub, guys. And if you want to find out more about Mary Lynn, find her and all things Mary Lynn on her website, MaryLynnMaryLynn.com. Find her on Instagram and Twitter at Mary Lynn Ricegub. Check out her podcast, Checking In with Mary Lynn on Spotify or anywhere you get your pods. But listen on Spotify and check out The Tomorrow War when that comes out in theaters now. We just listened to PJ Harvey from 2000. This week, music director Little Matty Pinfield chose Liza and the Delusionals. They're a four-piece band from Australia. Frontwoman Eliza Clad cites artists such as PJ Harvey, Paramore, Coldplay, and Catfish and the Bottlemen as major songwriting influences. They are breaking out of the Aussie indie scene and touring America now. Their latest single, Pull Apart Heart, is now available on Spotify. Check out the link on our website guys The500podcast.com And if you are in a band and we're directly influenced By one of these albums or artists And you want your music showcased on the 500 website Cause you do Send your song to 500 gmail.com And make sure you put the album And the artist in the subject line Next week Is Vampire Weekend Week With their 2007 self-titled album Vampire Weekend You got some homework to do Listen to the album on Spotify Stay fleecy Dougal Dougal